In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Furlan, your host on Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in Waterbury, Vermont. It was uh, grass-covered hillsides when I was uh, driving from St. Albans until I got to uh, around Cochrane Ski Area and you could see the the steam or the the mist coming up from snowmaking it looked like and and all of a sudden everything was white so uh Vermont is is uh it's just different different all over the place that's for sure my next guest is uh an old friend of ours here at WDEV on a monthly basis and more Elliot Greenblatt is AARP fraud watch uh this morning uh welcome this morning Elliot Good morning. It's been a while. I know we were supposed to be on January first, but we figured we'd, you know, we'd give people a day off. Uh, so, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, I'll, I'll say up front for a contact. If you want to um, join the call today and and share your stories, uh, Elliot is just a great resource on um, all these uh, fraud and scams that are out there. Give us a call, 802-244-1777. And also, uh, you can reach Elliot directly. Can you, can you, um, tell us how? Well, the best way would be emailing me, and that's egreenblot, spelled E-G-R-E-E-N-B-L-O-T-T, at A-A-R-P dot org. Okay, perfect. Um, so, we're going to start with New Year's resolutions, and I, I'm I'm waiting to hear myself what how that fits in, Elliot. Well, I think it fits in because you know, had we done this on the first of January, it would have been maybe a little better. But you know, people are still talking about the resolutions that they're going to do this year. I'm going to lose thirty pounds, which is what I need to do. <laughs> uh, I'm going to become a much more loving individual. There's a little problem with most people's resolutions. And the reason why, you know, somewhere around probably the end of January, the resolution is forgotten and it fails, is that those resolutions require a change in behavior. And that's a tough one because sometimes we just can't stick with it or we forget. Uh, There are some very good resolutions that I think you can apply to uh, being better protected against fraud. And many of them are what I call once and done, or as one of the advertisements used to say, set it and forget it. Yeah, and um, so what you're advocating for is there are some simple things to do. Just get get to them and get them done. Is Is that right? Yeah, because you do them once and they become uh, 
you know the the standard for you there there is no need to do them a second or third or a fourth or a fifth time so you so have you, you, those are you know let me give you an example yeah uh, all of the major credit bureaus equifax experian novas transunion they allow you to set a credit freeze and a credit credit freeze basically seals your file so that people can't access your finances Credit reports are the meat for getting loans, credit cards, buying a house, sometimes even buying a car, getting a lease. And if you can lock it, you end up keeping criminals from being able to access your financial records and then use them. So simple call or uh, going online and going to the website for Equifax, Experian, Novus, and TransUnion, and one call, you set the freeze. There's no cost to setting a freeze. And you can also get a copy of your credit report. And you're locked in. Uh, if you want to lift the freeze because you need to access your credit, not a problem. It's free to lift the freeze for any amount of time you want to or for a specific vendor. And then refreeze it. So that's a, a set it and forget it type of thing. Uh, that sounds uh, like something that a lot of us don't do, but it's uh, it's definitely good advice. I want to go to the phone lines now. We have uh, Brian from Eden joining the call. Welcome this morning to Vermont Viewpoint, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Um, this might be just a coincidence, and I would hope it is, but I went to a eye, nose, and throat specialist, and I won't name the hospital or who it was. And the very next day, my parents, who live out of state, got a call from an 802 number, and they said that uh, I'd hit a pregnant woman. It was so detailed. I'd hit a pregnant woman. She lost her baby, and I'd broken my nose, and they needed $9,000 to keep me out of jail or something. And my dad actually went to the bank, and the bank said, whoa, no way. And uh, then we got in touch with each other, and it was just a complete fiction. I mean, all that. I, but it was a strange coincidence that I had been to a doctor about something that could be involving my nose the day before. Wow. Well, thank you for the call, Brian. Uh, yeah. Elliot, do you have a sense of that? Yeah. Uh, I think we have to assume that there is no such thing as privacy these days and that criminals have access to almost everything about us instantaneously. So the ability of a criminal to uh, monitor what's happening at a particular location, like uh, a hospital, uh, is not that out of the question. And then the, uh, you know, these uh, threats, you know, I need money, uh, I need you to fax me something, or I need you to wire me. Uh, that's probably one of the longest standing types of scams. And our, our best recommendation is you get a call like that, hang up on it and call the person who supposedly, uh, is, is the one in trouble. And in this case, you know, it would have been call, you know, call your son and say, is there a problem? And that's one way to, to pull the plug on it. But we see, uh, a large number of this type of scam taking place all over the country. 
So I want to thank Brian again for that call and, and acknowledge what a loving dad for running to the bank for you, Brian, when, when that happened. And also, Elliot, can you speak a little bit about, uh, banks and, and where people go to wire money? Is there been a much bigger education process about fraud? Uh, we're seeing more and more banks uh, dealing with, uh, you know, out-of-the-ordinary requests for large sums of money. Uh, tellers are being trained by most of the institutions. When somebody walks in and says, you know, I want to withdraw $10,000, and tellers have been trained to say, uh, do you mind if I ask you what the money is going to be used for? And quite often in, in our training for bank employees, we even have them say, you know, delay the process until you can have a manager or an officer of the bank come over and talk to the customer. So, yes, uh, we're doing that. Uh, the other thing we're doing is we're training clerks at stores that sell gift cards. And, you know, when somebody comes in and asks for, let's say, uh $500 or $1,000 in gift cards for Apple. That's an unusual thing. And when somebody does that, uh, store clerks are being trained to respond to that and be less willing to just simply make a sale. So it's, it is tricky, I imagine, because if they, if you got a call that Uncle Joe is in jail, uh, and you need to send $500 to, to spring him out, uh, even though you don't know if he's in jail or not, uh, sort of a, this area of not wanting to tell, but also, you know, so it is tricky, isn't it? It's, it's very tricky and it plays on emotion. And that's one of the best tools that fraudsters and criminals have, if they can get you emotionally engaged, then you're less likely to think things out. And particularly, you know, a child being, uh, let's say, abducted, uh, an injury in the hospital, in jail, those things trigger emotions like crazy. And people just lose their ability to reason it out. And as a result, they become victims. So it's beware, beware, beware. Be suspicious, exactly. beware. Yeah. So on your one and once and done, um, you talk about document shredding. I, I suppose yeah. a lot of people just recycle, right? But it, there's a danger to that. There's a there's a danger to do to the recycling, particularly if the things you are recycling are uh, tax papers, credit card uh, statements. Um, medical records, uh, such as insurance claims, those things become the meat and potatoes for criminals. They can go through the recycled material and pull those things out, and then they know your address because they pulled it out of your recycled bin, and you become a target. So what we recommend is that get a document shredder. If it's something that financially you can't handle, maybe you can share one with two or three other people or members of the family. They're actually not that expensive these days. but uh, And particularly this time of year when you have a lot of documents floating around, people are starting to pull things together for tax purposes 
Uh, you've got end-of-the-year things that you just want to get rid of, shred it. That's your best way to deal with papers you don't need. You don't need to keep, for instance, credit card statements. Credit card statements are available online from the credit card. Right. So, you know, the idea of once once you've gotten that in the mail and you've looked at it, you said, ah, oh, they're all okay, there's no reason to hang on to it. Just get rid of it. If you have a shredder, it's much easier to do that. If you don't have a shredder and you say, oh, I'll put it aside and I'll shred it sometime, you're either going to end up with a big pile of things or you're going to end up making a mistake and putting it in recycle. Wait, how so, did you know what my office looks like? Uh, <laughs> so, actually, it's my office. Uh, so I want to go back to the phone lines. Uh, I want to welcome Catherine from Moortown to Vermont Viewpoint. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Um, I had one of those scammers call me and tell me my grandson was in jail in Montreal. I told him I didn't have a grandson. Of course, I do have, but, but I had a friend that also really got took to the tune of $4,500. Mm. And the neighbor took her to the bank to withdraw the money, which she did and sent. Then she came home and called her son, and the kid was sitting right at the table having cereal with his dad. Wow. So she got hoodwinked by $4,500. And the neighbor didn't question her, you know, what was she taking the money out of the bank for. She didn't ask her. Oh, but anyway, she spread that tune right around, which was good, because that took care of the rest of us. Yeah, well, good good for you for resisting the the uh, sending money. Yeah, well, and that fact that I didn't have a grandson, <laughs> right? Which of course I do have. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's you know, I, thank Catherine, you, Catherine. I think what this goes to show is that this type of an issue is not one on one. It's some criminals against our society, and we need to act as a group, and everybody needs to become aware. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. doesn't matter what your race is. If you're alive and breathing, and in some cases, even if you've passed away, you're a target for fraud criminals. It's just the fact of life today that we have to accept. I want to return uh, to the phone lines uh, with Xenia from Barry, Vermont. Welcome, Xenia. Whoop. Uh, we'll have Xenia in a second. Uh, good morning, Xenia. Good morning. Um, two scam calls I get because um, I'm a senior citizen and retired and disabled. And uh, one scam uh, is uh, they call and they say, well, congratulations, you paid your electric bill uh, on time for such and such a period, and so we're going to give you a 30% discount, and that they proceed, and then they want your bank account number so that they can give you this refund. Ha ha. Uh, and of course, that's a scam, and if they'll clean out your bank account if you give them that information. Uh, another scam, which has appeared fairly recently, is someone claiming to be from some auto accident. Um, 
they say, oh, you've been in an auto accident in the last two days and you didn't you didn't get the full uh, uh, payment uh, from the the at fault person and so forth, and they're trying to lure you into uh, you know say this and and will they're, they're clearly setting you up to to believe that you're going to get a bunch of money as soon as you give them your bank account or credit card number. And uh, there's a lot of scams. They they want to they want to make you believe that you'll get some free money, and that and uh, they get a lot of people, I guess, because they're still doing it. These these are repetitive. I wish I could unload these calls, but uh, no way that I've found out so far. Well, Elliot tells us uh, put the receiver down as hard as you can. If you, Chris, we don't have phones like that. That's what we need, Elliot. We need to be able to <laughs> slam the phone down. Uh, well, I have an old-fashioned phone, so I can do that. Oh, actually. you can? Okay. Yeah. What What some people do is they have a whistle by the phone. But, you know, one of the problems, oh, before I even go into this, uh, you know, a key thought is if whatever the offer is sounds too good to be true, it likely is. And you need to feel, you know, is somebody just going to call me out of the blue and offer me money. Am I going to get an offer? Let's say, oh, you, you've been a good customer, and we have a reward for you. But it's a business that you don't do business with. Uh, again, you know, we're lured by the dollar sign. Uh, we get emotional, and we make mistakes. Yeah, and that's how you know these folks can capitalize on what we do. They're also not, uh, you know sitting in a basement doing nothing but making phone calls, they've got an organization that they're working with that's very sophisticated, and they're watching the news. So, for instance, that car crash thing, all you have to do is pick up a newspaper, and you can find out where the car crashes are, who's involved, and then make your phone calls. So, as I said, privacy isn't an issue anymore. We don't have privacy. Yeah. And... What we have to do is protect whatever material and whatever information we have so that we don't get drawn in. Yeah, and so, Xenia, thank you for that call. Those were two important things to be on the watch for. And, uh, Elliot, we're going back to the phones now um, with Joel from Colchester. Welcome to Vermont Viewpoint, Joel. Okay, yeah, this is Joel here. And uh, I... I, uh, been getting some email uh, notices, and I see them uh, on on Facebook as as ads as well. And this is selling what they say are surplus U.S. government forever stamps at a big discount. Okay, in other words, a forever stamp costs sixty six cents, and uh, I'm kind of old school. I still mail all my bills out with a stamp on them, and to get uh, a a forever stamp for you know less than half the sixty six cents or whatever it is these days seems mighty tempting, and their website says that they buy surplus everything, and uh, sometimes big piles of stamps come along, and so there they have these rolls of uh, of uh, the flag stamps for half price. And gosh, it looks tempting, but then again, I know all about these frauds. What do you know, Elliot? Well, what 
I think, again, any time you're faced with an offer that's too good to be true, think twice about it. Forever stamps are not going to be sold by the government at less than the value that they currently have them set at. And to find a place that's going to offer you more uh, more stamps for less money, it isn't going to happen. The only time I've actually seen that happen is actually with Costco. Uh, they had a lot of forever stamps on hand. It was at the lower price. Price went up a little bit on forever stamps, and Costco sold them for the price that they purchased them for. Uh, and that was like two cents off on the price of each stamp. You're not going to see something where you're getting 10, 20, 30 percent off on a postage stamp. And so whenever you see a deal that's too good to be true, you got to be very skeptical and you've got to, again, get out of an emotional state and say, yeah, that's really great. I'm going to send money because odds are that money will be lost very quickly. You, you know what this illustrates to me is I'm resistant to most of these scams that you're talking about. But then one comes up that you find tempting, and that could be the one that does you in. And uh, anyway, thank you. That's what I suspected. But, boy, I came awfully close to this one. Boy, Joel, thank you for that. That was That's a good heads up. Uh, we appreciate your call. Elliot, we only have, like, uh, another minute and a half or so. Can you quickly jump into the empty your wallet? Yeah, uh, basically we carry around a lot of stuff that we don't need to carry around in our wallets and purses. You don't need to carry around the Social Security card. You don't need to constantly have your Medicare or insurance cards on you. Uh, You're not going to be denied medical service if you're in a car accident and you don't have your card with you. They're going to provide you with the service. You can provide that later. If you're carrying a bunch of credit cards, and you only use two of them, only keep two of them in your wallet. We can lose weight uh, figuratively by emptying our wallet, and we also make ourselves a little safer. So that's what the empty your wallet is. Well, um, our our segment has flown today, Elliot. You bring in more callers than any of my guests uh, over the (laughs) year. I think it, it strikes a nerve, and we sure appreciate it. You're coming back with me on February 5th, which is a little bit sooner because of the delay and uh, a lot more to talk about. Yeah, why don't we pick up on where we left off and if something else comes up, uh, we can add that too. Yeah, no, that that's great. We've been talking with Elliot Greenblatt. He's our, our great friend from uh, AARP Fraud Watch and... Boy, as we heard from our callers this morning, there is just everything, anything and everything that people can try to scam you with. They're, they're working on it. This, uh, our caller on, uh, Joel calling about, uh, stamps is quite amazing. So this is, uh, Brad Furlan on Vermont Viewpoint. Coming up is my guest, Gregory Tetro. Uh, He's going to be talking about um, some events happening at Jenna's Promise, and we'll be back right after this. Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Furlan, your host on Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in Waterbury, Vermont. A little snowy on the Waterbury side. In St. Albans, it's still green. 
it was warmer, I'd be mowing the grass still in January, but uh, it's not warmer, and I think we've got some winter weather coming. Uh, my next guest I'm really uh, excited to have on, uh, Greg Gregory Tetro from Jenna's Promise, and Amanda Yusey, uh welcome to the show. How are you? Well, doing great. Hello, we had a little... Uh, we had a little mix-up. Uh, my producer thought you were calling in on AARP, but you're probably too young to call in on that, Gregory. <laughs> Give us a few years. Yeah, that's right. Um, we had we had so many callers; it was quite quite a good segment. Um, so, welcome both of you. I, I want to start with you, uh, Gregory. Uh, Jenna's promise is. Uh, an absolutely remarkable uh, place of recovery, but the genesis is is saddest story ever. So can you just tell our listeners a little bit about Jenna's Promise? Absolutely, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Jenna's Promise starts with Jenna. Jenna was, um, for all intents and purposes, you know, I'll put quotes around the word here, a, a normal girl growing up. Um, she had lots of friends and social connections. Um, she was successful in school. She loved riding horses. Um, and she was my little sister. She was five years younger than me. And, um, you know, I noticed as she got older and she um, kind of went into the party scene and, and um, ended up getting, uh, uh, it was an, an abusive relationship with somebody and was prescribed um, a prescription that was, you know, a familiar story for many people who were probably listening. It started her on this pathway uh, of increasing uh, addiction and she really struggled for quite some time, for, for six years actually. Um, and so, just like many families in Vermont and across the nation, you know, our lives uh, were turned upside down. You know, it's a story of pain and confusion and loss and and not knowing where to turn and where to go. Um, ultimately, uh, Jenna cycled through a lot of different treatment centers across uh, the country. And by the end, um, she had decided that once she was back on her feet, she wanted to help people. In a conversation with my mother, she she said as much, too, that she wanted to help people um, once she was uh, in recovery. And that was her promise to my mother. Um, Jenna didn't um, survive to kind of um, fully enact that promise. And so when she passed, that first a family and then a growing community of other amazing professionals have kind of banded together to try to find a way to look at substance use and look at recovery in a different way and change the model. Well, thank you for that, Gregory. You know, I've, you've been on the show with me and your parents have as well. And, you know, we all appreciate the bravery of telling the story. And we had Melinda White on earlier who is um, heavily involved in, in recovery efforts. And what we had talked about was really sharing and, and not keeping these things a secret is remarkable, but also difficult, uh, you know, I would, I would think. So thank you for doing that. Um, and I would say it gets less difficult with time, right? I mean, that's how we reduce the stigma is being really open about it. Yeah. And 
when you talk about it and other people talk about it, it, it does get easier. And I think it's so important because that's what lights a spark that can, you know, set a fire to this conversation. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Um, so Amanda, you, you deal with health and wellness, uh, coordination at Jenna's promise. What, what are some of the things involved with that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have a gym at Jenna's house where uh, residents and um, people from the community are able to access. Um, we have a weekly wellness meeting with each resident and um, just talk about their own personal goals, what wellness means to them, and the journey they want to take with that. Um it can be yoga, meditation, Reiki. There's a number of different uh, modalities that we have available here as well. So there's a lot of different um, different types of wellness um, avenues that people can go on. And Amanda, it's really, you're a community center, is that right? This isn't just people who are, are dealing with recovery. It's, it, it's sort of an open book for people to come in? Yeah, um, certainly people from the community can access um, Jenna's house and come into, uh, we do have some open gym times that people can come in and utilize the gym. It's kind of um, donation-based access. Um, and there's free yoga classes that are offered here. There's meditation classes offered here. So really anyone from the community is able to access those. Uh, great service to the community for sure. Gregory, I want to um, go back to you with one of the things that has really overwhelmed me in a, in a, a way that your parents and, and you have impressed upon all of us that there, there's a difference between the addiction and the person. And, and part yeah. of Jenna's promise is, uh, you, you have this amazing coffee shop with, uh, we talk about, uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's resolutions about eating. Well, it's impossible to go, not to go in and eat all these great baked goods there. But, uh, can you tell us a little bit about w what it means to separate the addiction from the person? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that. You know, what happens when someone is struggling with substance use disorder is the addiction hijacks what's called the reward circuit in the brain. And so just like somebody who is is starving or somebody who is dying of thirst, right, all you can think about is that. And so it overtakes the other drive and it overtakes a lot of the things that might make someone uh, and their personality kind of stand out, right? It kind of drowns them out as the addiction intensifies and, and um I think what's important is that, you know, this is why we consider substance use disorder to be a disease, right? This isn't a moral failing. This is a person who is struggling and going through a hard time. And basically, if they can get into treatment and then, you know, something along our model where we're trying to kind of wrap them in services after treatment to kind of uh, increase the chances that they stay in recovery and don't return to use, then you really begin to see over time biologically that, um, you know, that person comes back and they're back uh, contributing to society. Um, they have their hopes and dreams just like you and I do. And I think that that's so critical. I think the beautiful work of, that we get to see every day, Amanda and I and the team, is 
we get to see that process happen when someone comes in versus when they're leaving our, our program. Um, and it's just amazing to see people reconnecting with their kids, reconnecting um, with their dreams, going back to school. Um, they just need a chance and they need some support. And that's kind of what the goal of Agenda's Promise is, is it kind of functions as a cast so that they can heal. And then after that, they can kind of go back out and be what they always were meant to be. Right. We call we call it uh, finding your soul gift, I think, sometimes and uh, how important that is. So the the bakery provides workforce development, and, and that is really one of the things with recovery that you have modeled at Jenna's Promise. And can you elaborate a little bit more on, on sort of that? I mean, financial security, I guess, but um, what what about the workforce development? Yeah, so Jenna's Promise tackles um, helping people get a safe place to live with housing. Um, another major part is trying to bring a sense of community back because that often is what drives people into substance use disorder. But another major aspect of, of our model is we try to really kind of work very, very hard to bring people back into the workforce, to get them connected uh, with a career and their dreams that they want to help, um, they want to attain over time. And so we have a workforce development coordinator named Vaughn Massey, who's incredible, and she kind of helps guide them on that path. Um, and then they start with some of what's called our social enterprises, where um, the goal isn't profit. The goal is really kind of to be a laboratory for people to kind of regain customer service skills to fill in gaps with their resume. Um, and then from there, they move on to the cafe at the final stage or one of the final stages of this program. At the cafe, and the cafe is actually an independent business. We partner with an amazing uh, group of people at Two Sons Bakery and Bill Hoag. Um, and basically, they treat them just like any other employee. You know, over time, we have people who have risen up to become managers and assistant managers, and they they get a paycheck just like anybody else. There, the beauty is that there are also people who aren't in recovery working there. So you don't know when you're up at that counter who is who, and that's what's so important, right? That's what breaks down that stigma because in the end, we are all the same. And for us to discriminate or to look differently as somebody because of their past, the wrong way to look at that, right? Um, stigma is just really another word for bigotry. Yeah, no, it's, it's a remarkable model. And you guys evolved into something that's so great for recovery. We're talking with Gregory Tatro and Amanda Yusey from Jenna's Promise. Uh, Amanda, um, Gregory was just talking about the, uh, the, the bakery and, and, you know, it provides a job and, and it provides earnings and, and, uh, it's hard, you know, it's just sort of normal, helping to normalize somebody's life. Also self-esteem, I would guess. And getting back to what you're doing, like with the gym, can you tell us a little bit more about that with people going into the gym? Are there coaches for them? And and how do you see that helping them in, in their uh, journey? Absolutely. I think um, it's like you said, you know, building some self-confidence and self-esteem and having access to the gym or some of the classes that we have, um, they're all supporting that goal and, and helping people to feel more confident um, in their everyday lives. Um, we have some volunteers that 
um, can help out with some coaching. And if there are specific needs, we can certainly figure out ways to help navigate those as well. Um, just really helping people to reach the goals that they've set out for. Often when I meet with them, we set like a 30-day goal and then a long-term goal and see the things that are challenges or things that are successes and build off of those. It's uh did you see any sort of rise in use uh, with with what Elliot Greenblatt was talking about earlier as um, New Year's Eve goals and resolutions? Is was that part? Was there an upsurge? Um, I think every gym and produce aisle has a little bit of an upsurge when it comes to New Year's <laughs> resolutions. Um, so, yeah, a little bit, but um, we stay pretty focused. We, we're very goal-oriented um, when meeting with residents or people from the community. We have a lot of conversations about what, what people are working towards, so um, hopefully consistency becomes key. What's well, kind of interesting, you know, we talk about opiate addiction and alcohol addiction, but there there really are a lot more. Food addiction is, is big, so... Really, you could meet a lot of needs and and all of the um, wellness stuff that that you deal with, Amanda. Absolutely, yeah. We do have a lot of conversations about relationships with food and how to navigate those and and food goals that individuals have as well, for sure. So, Gregory, um, you, you are such a community center, and and really, uh, Johnson is so fortunate um, to. To have all the things, and and one of the reasons um, you're joining me today is a couple events. One coming up um, soon this afternoon, uh, community food drive and sledding party. What's that all about? Yeah, so we have been doing this for a few years, and we're kind of motivated by MLK Day. And you know, King has this quote that says that life most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others and so we try to kind of turn this into a day of community here so the last few days we've been trying to do a a food drive to help out the johnson food shelf uh the johnson food shelf has been struggling uh this time of year as most food shelves are um they're serving about 130 to 140 people a month um, and they just have a really large need in it um we're hoping that with this food drive that we can kind of help supplement that. And Amanda has been running the internal staff competition as well. She's been calling it a food fight, and we're trying to kind of gin up some prizes and uh, see which of the groups that she's put together gets the most donations. So that's been great for us culturally as well. And then we have the community coming together for a sledding party. And the reality is, is like, it's a little bit icy out there on the hill. I've gone down a few times, but (laughs) Amanda's worked really hard to kind of totally transform the inside of Jenna's house into this really, really cool thing that I'll let her explain. Amanda? Yeah, sure. So inside we'll have arts and crafts, um, some snow dough that kids can play with. There will be um, a cotton ball snowball race and cornhole, and we'll have snacks and hot chocolate, of course. Uh, so if the sledding's a little too dangerous outside, a lot going on inside. Um, and so people, this is uh, today at 1.30, and, and what are you encouraging people to bring? I think just some canned goods, but, I mean, honestly, it's all voluntary, right? This yeah. is a chance for us 
in Vermont, you know, what's beautiful about Vermont is our small communities. And so we're all just kind of getting together um, and we're having a good time. You know, it's not a school day, so a lot of parents have kids at home. Instead of, you know, hanging out and watching TV, come hang out and, and have some popcorn and, you know, get together with the community, right? And I think that's part of, of why we enjoy doing this every year. Last year we did an obstacle course. This year, you know, Amanda decided to turn it up to 11 with all of this stuff. So it's going to be a good time, I think. And, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a, a great time like it always is. So, um, Martin Luther King, what are you doing for others? So here's a great opportunity of the day to um, go into your cupboards, because if you're like me, there's all these canned goods that I think that I have to have, and lo and behold, uh, they sit there for a long, long time, and I never get to them. Uh, so maybe this is a good donation time to to bring those things in and uh, help others. Uh, you have another event, Gregory, tonight, um, Community Conversations. What, what's the crux of that? So the Community Conversations started um, after COVID, where I think all of us really saw this rise in, I don't know, we, we were stuck inside, we were on our, on our computers and like looking at the latest crazy conspiracy theory, and we stopped connecting with people. And again, like I said, what's special about Vermont is that we we do those face-to-face interactions. Um, We connect, we get together. And so the community conversation is kind of born out of bringing policymakers into a a pocket of rural Vermont, Lamont County. Um, And everybody kind of shows up and just has a really low-key, you know, um, back and forth where they're talking about whatever it is that's on their mind, whether it's, you know, why the roads have too many potholes or our flood recovery or substance use recovery. I think it's all really critical. And so we bring uh, some pizza and we try to make it very, very low barrier. A few years ago, we did this town hall uh, with the with the uh, candidates running for the U.S. House of Representatives. There was this big thing and we had the media here, and, you know, I think it was draped uh, in flags and balloons. And it was just, it was wonderful, but it was not accessible to people in the same way. This is just a few fold-out chairs and some pizza and then just talk. And that's how I think as Vermonters, you know, we're, we're best fit to have those conversations. And I think also it allows that conversation to be free-flowing because we don't have any of the trappings and the pomp and circumstance that too often happen when we're talking with political um, leaders across the state or across the country. And, who is joining you tonight? So we're extremely excited that we have the Secretary of State, Sarah Copeland Hans, is coming. It's fitting because on MLK Day, of course, you know, MLK uh, fought and, and um, continued to fight, you know, for civil rights and voting rights as well. Um, and this being an election year, you know, the office of the Secretary of State is going to be running the election of the state. It's a great way for people to learn about how that part of our government works, but it's a great chance. I've met her many times, um, and Sarah Copeland-Hans is is somebody who is really a great listener. She loves to talk. She loves to learn from people just as you can learn from her, and that makes for the best types of conversations, right? Um, And so that's something that she can take with her, and then we all can take something from the knowledge that she brings as well. And that's uh, tonight at 5 p.m. at Jenna's house which is at 117 St. John Street in Johnson, Vermont. And 
uh, free and open to the public. You got it. Yeah. We'd love to see whoever wants to show up. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you can do the sledding party today, great. Um, if you can come and uh, join the community conversation, uh, it's worth the visit if you haven't been to Jenna's Promise just to uh, to see what's going on there because there's so, so many things going on. Um, you mentioned COVID, Gregory, and I also say, and, and then the rains came. How are you faring in Johnson with with all this rainy weather? Yeah, I mean, the flood certainly hit Jenna's Promise hard. It hit Johnson hard. Um, but at the same time, too, you know, we were really blessed to have a lot of people show up from across the state and, and pitch in to help, whether they were helping to muck out someone's basement or whether they were doing a tour to help inform policy down in Montpelier. Um, you know, it was it was certainly a, a really devastating blow. And we did, you know, Johnson got um, a little bit of flooding as well, you know, a few weeks ago, too. Luckily, it was, it was much less than before. But, you know, it certainly was a bit of a, a PTSD experience, I think, that night for many of us as well. Um, but, you know, I think that's what we're about here, right? And whether it's substance use recovery, whether it's recovery from a flood, you know, there's something that challenges us and we have to endeavor and work hard to overcome it and to get back up. Well, you certainly, your resilience is impressive and your parents, you and your wife, Jenna's Promise, uh, Amanda, all of the work that you do and the team there at Jenna's Promise, it's quite remarkable, and and I love what you said earlier, Gregory. What are you doing for others? Well, we know you guys are doing a lot, and we share this uh, vision of, of helping others. And um, I'm so happy to have you both on Vermont Viewpoint this morning. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it so much, Brad. Um, so good luck with the events. Uh, sledding party this afternoon at Jenna's Promise. Uh, community conversation tonight at 5 o'clock at Jenna's Promise. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV in Waterbury, Vermont. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, holiday. Hope you're having a good one, and we will be back. I'll be back uh, next Monday. Have a great day.